I think the formula is simply just find your happy place, whatever platform that is. Is that Dribble? Is that Instagram? Is that Medium? Are you writing a lot? Is you know, is that is that is that? Like whatever your platform is for whatever creative service you're doing, find that space and just try to be a big presence in that space. Don't just sit back and make the best website you've ever made because people still need to find it, right? So like you need to go where the people are. Dribble for us was where the people were. Make a lot of noise, get some presence in that space, and then those eyeballs come back to wherever your site is, wherever your content is. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Studio Podcast, a show for ambitious creatives who want to learn more about creative thinking and strategic design. I'm your host, Ilya Lobanov. I'm an experienced designer and brand strategist and also founder of Studio, a brand agency focused on growing and elevating brands and businesses. Another thing that I'm super passionate about is passing on the skills and and learnings and tools and techniques and mindsets that I've picked up over the years uh, as a way for me to share with the community and other creatives and hopefully uh, help them transform into better creative leaders and uh, solve bigger problems. And uh, with that in mind, I also invite uh, industry leaders who uh, also share those uh, strategies and tips. And so today's guest is Bill Kenny, who is the co-founder of Focus Lab, a brand agency uh, that I have been following personally, keenly for for years. Uh, they've started out uh, in the web uh, sort of design sphere, and now they do more and more branding. And I really enjoy the work. And you probably have heard about some of the clients, such as Udacity and Weebly. 500 pixels, Notion, Envision Labs, and uh, many, many more. And uh, the work is outstanding. And um, Bill has a really, uh, obviously, a, a big passion for, for what he does, um, but also plenty of insights. And uh, I was so thrilled when he reached out to me to have a discussion. Uh, so Bill Kenny uh, and myself discuss uh, finding clients and uh, his journey uh, and journey of um, uh, Focus Lab. And so I hope this is an insightful conversation because finding clients is typically one of the main questions that I get asked by people who write to me in DMs and emails is how do I find clients? So this is uh, going to be a great, uh, valuable conversation if that's a topic that you're interested in. I hope you enjoy. There we are. Hello. Good Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how is my sound? My sound's okay. Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. What are you on? What phone are you using, Bill? Are you on iPhone or Samsung? I'm on iPhone. Excellent, excellent. We shouldn't have any problems then, because there tends to be some kind of a war of iPhone and Samsung on Instagram <laughs> Live. It doesn't seem to uh, connect, connect sometimes when the iPhone person is hosting the Samsung person. So we should be all good. How are you? Right. I'm very good. How are you? I'm excellent. I'm wrapping up my day and you're just starting with yours. I'm I just guess. starting. Right. Yes. I've only had one meeting this morning, so it's, um, it's not terribly early here, but yeah, this is the beginning of my day. Well, I hope you're more productive than, than I was today because I was just absolutely not productive with any my um my task list is maybe three quarters not complete Mm, that's all right it happens yeah sometimes it happens so thank you very much for for joining me today Uh, i really appreciate your time and uh, i know that uh, the topic that we're going to be discussing today is going to be huge 
for a lot of people tuning in because this is I, I reckon this is probably the most the most common and commonly requested question for uh, you know freelancers but you know anyone who uh, solopreneurs entrepreneurs agencies uh, yeah. what have you and so it would be good to uh, pick your brain and kind of talk about your experiences uh, with that yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. but before we dive in I'd just love for you to just give us a quick introduction about Focus Lab. So you're a, a creative director and founder uh, at Focus Lab, but I know that you're, I guess, uh, somewhat transitioning uh, with your roles, but maybe if you can just give us like a snapshot so that people get a bit of a context as to uh, what you do, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Bill Kenny. Uh, I'm one of the co-founders of Focus Lab, which is a branding agency. Uh, we're 10 years old. Now, um, we've, we've passed our 10 year birthday, so that's a pretty big milestone. Uh, yeah, so I'm one of the original founders, um, originally as a designer. Um, our other founder, Eric, is the developer, um, was the developer. So there's the, the yin and the yang. Um, since then, we've grown a team. Um, in the 10 years, we're a team of 20 now, um, which is exciting and, and crazy to think about. Uh, so we're a team of 20, and my official role as it sits today, is the big fancy title of CEO. Uh, so I have led the creative team for a while, but now I am transitioning into uh, what we call visionary. So uh, visionary of the of the business and where we're going in the future in the next ten years. Fantastic. I, I do recall. Um, I guess it was around the time yet, like when you started. As I mentioned, you, you just turned ten. The company's turned ten, and. Uh -huh. I believe 10 years ago, I would have been uh, working at a web agency and I remember uh, seeing your work. And just correct me if I'm wrong, but from my memory, you might have had a bit more of a focus on digital and interactive stuff. And then, is that correct? That is correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So um, throughout the 10 years and you're growing a business, you're continuing to try to figure out who you are, basically, right? So for a long time, we knew that we loved design if we just want to use that word. Um, very specifically to, to moving pixels around that type of stuff. Um, so design touches a lot of things and for a while we would call ourselves a, a brand and interactive agency. Uh, interactive being more kind of like web and digital. Um, so so yeah, we, we still do some of that, uh, but we call ourselves a brand agency now. So obviously web is still a representation of a brand. So brand is still an umbrella over that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, we did a lot more web work um, in previous years and we're just getting a, a bit more focused currently yeah so you've got uh, i guess branding and, and kind of diving more into that it gives you that more of a holistic view right and that's right that's kind of the reason why i started transitioned myself from like i mentioned 10 years ago i was also in a web agency and then uh -huh. since then i've also transitioned to uh, you know more of a brand designer and brand strategies because that's what i found through through those years is that what i was actually finding or being the most passionate about is sure. not just creating a website or designing a, an app or something, but actually, you know, seeing that whole experience through uh, and then trying to uh, having actually some uh, say and input into what that brand is and what the story is and uh -huh. you know, how they kind of, uh, you know, the message they communicate with any touch points. So, so thanks for, for the introduction, Bill. Yeah. And uh, how about we just start maybe with, since we're talking about the kind of the past and where you've started, maybe I wonder if it would be a good um, uh, question or a good discussion to begin with to see 
um, what kind of strategy did you have back then for attracting clients or seeking out clients uh -huh. and, and maybe how that's changed now and then um, uh, kind of like a like bird, bird's eye view of, of maybe what how the, the approaches have changed and then we can look at the details of, of that. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. I see a lot of we got a lot of focus labbers in here. Actually, I see Excellent. all I see them all joining. Hello, everybody. And and on focus hi, labbers, hi. of course. Um, so so I think part of this story is a pretty tired, well known story, but it's probably worth talking about. Um, in the early days, so if we're going to try to talk about how we found clients, this will come to no surprise to most people, which was, um, hey, Jesse, uh, it, it was Dribble, basically, mm. right? So Dribble has grown and changed a fair amount, and we can get into the nuances of that, and we are still pro Dribble, meaning we like Dribble. Um, uh, but the early days was really, that was really instrumental for us. Um, in getting our presence out there, um, joining a community, building our peer network, all of that stuff. So the early days of, of our exposure and finding clients, that was really influential for us. And when I say really influential, like extremely influential, because you're talking about a small company, at that point, maybe we're five people in a little sleepy town of Savannah, Georgia. We're not in some big, metro city we're not in new york city we're not in california um so how do you how do you get exposure at that point how do you how do you get out into the world so people know you exist and and beyond the boundaries of your own town which savannah at that point that's a lot of restaurants that's a lot of hotels it's tourist based um so there's a ceiling there it's a beautiful city but there's definitely a ceiling of clientele um so and this is not to say dribble is the only way to do it. We'll, we'll get beyond dribble here, but I just want to paint the appropriate picture from our early days, which was dribble was that, that medium that helped us do that. There's, there's plenty of other ways to do it. And there were other ways to do it at that time. It just so happened that um, I got on there. I worked my tail off, making sure that I constantly had content on there. I was super vocal and interactive and I shared everything we did and, um, all of that energy mounted in starting to grow a really big following, getting a lot of exposure, which then brought in all the outside clientele. Hmm. Because we had our peers, our peers that worked inside other organizations would see our work and follow us and say, oh, that's the company that my organization should work with. And that is still true today. Um, and just other founders, other people that needed designers, um, even all the way back then, before there was even the um, you know, job boards and all these types of things, they were going to dribble. So that platform did really well for us back then. Wow, that's some, and I think dribble also kind of started somewhere in that period as well from, from what I recall around the 10 year mark, I believe. Yeah, so we weren't, um, so, so to be clear, we, I was not, we were not on dribble from day one. So we're, we're not like part of that early, early adopter crowd on Dribble, but I would say we were probably on Dribble maybe three years in, two years in or so um, into from our existence. And like I said, I mean, you're just going from a small town and no one knows who the hell you are. Me specifically, like who the hell is this guy to kind of like finding my way as a designer, finding a style 
that that resonated with us and also resonate with our customers and then just like using that platform as our billboard to basically say this is what we do look at what we did 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 sometimes that repetition is off-putting maybe for people even in the community right like that was the days of the whole tilted angle dribble shot and you know that's a that's a whole nother conversation of you know is that design or not but uh those were the early days of of what really helped us get client work to get back onto the point and uh, so so the kind of stuff that you were posting that was that um kind of work that you maybe have done for freelance clients or, or something that you've already done for local clients and then you were posting that on dribble or was it like uh projects that were um uh, what did they call them make believe projects or, or right or right it... right right yeah so all of the work that we shared was the work that we were doing for clients even in those younger years we had enough work maybe it wasn't like you know the big sexy work it was business cards and brochures and and you know these kind of like smaller websites but we still had enough work that there was always volume for for us to share on dribble i want to be clear though i think there's actually nothing wrong with sharing uh you know quote unquote fake work mm-hmm. um i know that that's a hot topic and that's fine like i'm i'm happy to talk about it i don't think anybody should feel ashamed of designing something that's not real because they want to flex their design muscles and try new things and test new styles and putting that up. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, for us, it just happened to be the other way. We didn't need to do it. I think uh, out of all the shots we put up, you know, I jumped in on the whole, like, let's design a weather app thing. You know, remember when that was a thing? Uh, everybody designed a weather app. I think, you know, that might've been like the one kind of like fake project uh, experiment that went up, but it was all real work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good to know because it's it's something that people ask a lot too. When um, whenever that question comes up or that type of um, uh, strategy, I guess, comes up for posting work online, you know, the typical thing is if if a designer is starting out or they're just out of college, you know, that's the question that comes up: Should they post their college work? Should they, you know, yeah. make something up? Is the is it detrimental? Is it, um, you know, do people look at that when they're hiring? Um, Freelancers. I certainly know as someone that used to do hiring at my company where I worked, I know that it didn't really matter to me if it was a, like a fake product uh, project or a real one, as long as I could see some thinking or, uh, you know, I guess potential for what I was looking for specifically. Yeah. Um, I guess I don't know from a client side, I don't know, uh, I haven't been on a client side, you know, uh, hiring a designer as a, as a client. So I don't know if that's the same kind of thing that they're looking for or if they're looking for, um, you know, more credibility as opposed to more re- real projects. Um, so yeah, probably differ on the client side. I'll, uh, uh, you know, some may or may not care, but I think it is a, it's a different perspective. Yeah. Um, where if specifically, like if I'm looking at a portfolio and, and just portfolio specific, right? Like not soft skills, not the human skills and all these other mm-hmm. things, the people skills that are gonna be necessary to handle a project with you know, the client meetings and, and presenting work and being confident and, and all of those things. If you're just looking at a portfolio, um, I have this conversation a lot um, w- with either applicants or, or students or someone that just wants to reach out, hey, can you give me some guidance? And that this question does come up. Can I post face, fake work in my portfolio? And, and I have a, a recent example I was doing. It wasn't a portfolio review. 
but it was kind of like something of the sorts. And the person was showing me this one project in their portfolio. I didn't ask because I didn't care if it was real or not. They go through the whole entire case study and it was fantastic. It was A plus. I just assumed it was real because it was so thorough. It was so well thought out. There was process captured. There was thinking there was the, uh, here's the problem we're solving. Here's the solution. It was, it was all detail only to find out in the end that it wasn't real. And I, and I told that guy in that call, I'm like, dude, this is a plus as a design reviewer. This is what I would want to see. You have proved to me that you can work through the design process and come up with a great solution. It doesn't matter that this is not real because then sometimes you're limited, right? Like what if you can't get quote unquote, awesome clients to really show what you can actually do? What if your work is so limited in the way that you're like, well, I can show you my real work, but it's not really all that exciting. It's not the type that's, of stuff that you want to do. Right. That's, that's not fair either. So again, it, the fake work thing doesn't matter. But having said that, there's still another litmus test to say like, okay, you're passing the design test, but now we need to see if you can pass the human factor. Um, if you're going to come in, if we're going to use focus up as an example, if you come into focus up, you still need to be able to do those other things. Your design can be great fake or not, but you got to be able to do the other sides of design, which is the human side. So yeah, make all the fake work you want, but work on the other things too. Yeah. the soft skills is definitely, uh, uh that's what I talk a lot about in, in my content here on Instagram is, it's one of the main focus uh, points for me is the soft skills. Yeah. Cause I think that's the, if maybe it's there, they're somewhat even more important than design skills because you know, right. nowadays anyone can jump on Canva and learn how to be a designer and then they can transition themselves to Illustrator and Photoshop and Figma and all of those things. Yeah. Um, but soft skills, uh, people don't tend to give a lot of priority to, you know, they tend to think that yeah, as long as I, my portfolio is good, you know, I'll, I'll work anyway, sort of thing. But nobody wants to work with assholes and or people that can't communicate. Correct. Correct. So, um, so dribble that it's so, and then how long, I guess, um, uh, did, do you think it has taken you to kind of build that community and, and before you started, uh, maybe getting some leads through that, um, you know, that maybe turned into clients Was that like, are we talking about a couple of months? So is it like weeks? Um, That's a great question. Cause it's really important to recognize how long that took that for and, and the game is different now like I, you know so whatever i explain i don't think it's it you, might be it might not apply but at least yeah you, get you can't some... immediately replicate it like we did back then just because of, of a lot of different things but at that time um i would say it was years honestly before that really turned into the um the machine if you will that we could that we could um that we could kind of lean on to say like okay this creates a lot of leads for us they're recurring we know that we're going to get something from this thing as opposed to maybe you get two one month and then none for three months. Like it was, it was very consistent. That was the word I was looking for. It, it turned into a consistent lead driver for us, but that consistency took all of that effort for years, really. And it was gradual, a little bit more, a little bit more. Okay. A little bit more following, a little bit more leads, a little bit bigger following, a little bit bigger leads until uh, like maybe that, that second, into the third year now it's like wow this is driving 90 percent of our leads this is our biggest sales tool you know that that took some time that was not a two-month effort in the first two months it's almost like you don't achieve anything 
that's the whole like I've worked out for a week and I'm going to quit because I'm not seeing any gains yet. But if you stay with it for two years, you know, now all of a sudden you look and feel fantastic. It's like a compounding effect and compounding takes time. So, yeah, that was that took a lot of time to do that. Thankfully, though, I really enjoyed it. So it wasn't like work to me. Mm. I, I, um, I got the joy and I fed off of the, I'm going to go share more work. I'm going to go share, you know, it does become addictive in that way. And I think it was a healthy addiction um, for me to be doing and sharing all that work. And then of course, as we build the team, then the team members are also sharing. So then you've got, you know, again, compounding, compounding, compounding. And uh, what the team kind of sharing as um, like as their own profile. So, and then they sort of, I think that now you can have That's teams. Right. I'm not sure if yeah, so this was before teams. Before. I mean, I, I'm going to date myself a little bit. And, I, and for what it's worth, I don't want this whole conversation to be about Dribble. No, Again, no, no. I, I like Dribble, but um, yeah, this was before teams even existed. So we all posted under our own profiles. Uh, one of the fun, interesting dynamics was I had built such a following under my own profile. But as the company grows and as teams come out and you, you want to have Focus Labs agency profile, that thing starts back at zero. Right. So I had built up to 70,000 followers or whatever in, the, in those days. And then now we've got a team account and it's focus lab and it's like, oh, my God, we got to build that thing because I can't just be me. The company is not me. The company needs to be the company and I'm just one of the players in the company. So then, you know, and now you're talking about, all right, we got years to go to build that thing up as well. And, and now we've obviously we transitioned to do multiple different platforms to to achieve what we achieve. Yeah, uh, it's it's um, thanks for sharing, because uh, I think that's a critical thing, too, for, for designers listening to this or, or anyone who's uh, looking to get clients. And in, in my personal experience, that applies to almost any tactic or any strategy in terms of getting clients. It's, you know, I think um, there's this whole perception where, you know, designers that I talk to sometimes they say, I'm trying to find new clients. And I'll say, like, what have you done? They'll say, I've reached out to 10 people, you know, LinkedIn or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, cool. Uh, how many times have you done that? Oh, just the once. Okay. So what's, what do you expect? Like you expect two clients to turn from that? Like, you know, so anything, any kind of uh, relationship building or building yourself on a platform, that's going to take, you know, a really long time before you, it does. you usually yeah. start to see some sort of a lead coming through. That's right. Yeah. Like I've been on, uh, you know, sharing my courses online, uh, I think for about a year and a half or two years. Uh, and, and likewise, I think it was probably just in recent months where I've had some uh, people contact me through that, you know, as, as, a, as a result of me being on those platforms. But, you know, yeah, we, so days, we, just had a, we just had a client. So we just had a kickoff meeting uh, two weeks ago. In, so kickoff meetings, first meeting of the project after they've signed every get the whole group together, some specific questions, meet and greet, kick off the project kind of thing. In that kickoff meeting, and this happens quite often, in that kickoff meeting, one of the team members, the designer on the team says, I've been following you guys on Dribble for 10 years. So think about how long that process took to finally show itself, right? That person, that embedded designer team member has been following us for that long. I probably worked at multiple organizations, now works at this organization. This organization is growing. They need what we need. And then the stars start to align. So there's a 10 year payoff. That will continue to happen. There'll be a 20 year payoff at some point. 
but that's from all that work that we put in those early days. Um, so, so yeah, it, it can't be the instant, oh, I'm just going to like start putting out a bunch of podcasts today and all of a sudden I'm going to see all the results. Um, even by the end of this year, you know, you should see some results, but you've got to stick with it. I think that was the thing. I'm really stubborn. I'm really competitive and I'm really stubborn. And because of that, I think I'm, I'm able to endure, like, I don't need immediate success, but I'm going to get it. Even if I got to post every damn day, wherever I need to post, I'm just going to keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. I'll bang my head against the wall. Um, and it works. And now, now I know it works. So now I can at least have that um, as the shiny star carrot out in front of me. Like, oh, yeah, I know that this works. I'll just keep doing this. Yeah, I think to be fair, persistence is one of those things. If you keep at it, it tends to whatever you know endeavor uh, you kind of uh, focusing on. I think as long as you keep at it long enough, you know, I think something will come of it. But uh, at the moment, um, and I don't want to put a like a blanket statement over kind of the new generation of designers, but there is that sort of microwave mentality where they kind of just want everything quick and, and done now. And, uh, you know, there's this level of persistence that they tend to kind of give up really early, you know, after really early efforts in whatever they're trying to do. So I'll try it three, four times and they go, mm, no clients. I'll move on. Not to so much. Thing. Yeah, it's not going to work. Yeah, I think I think the thing that helped me, too, is I was really naive, too. Like I didn't I didn't when I first started on Dribble, like I didn't even know that that was going to be a lead um platform for us it was me just trying to say like i'm making a thing it probably sucks and i'm just going to put it out there like i had to go through that whole process until we realized like oh this actually turns leads this helps us get work what we have since realized is to try to take us off in the dribble platform specifically um for a minute here and just focus on like what's the formula uh i think the formula is simply just Find your happy place, whatever platform that is. Is that Dribble? Is that Instagram? Is that Medium? Are you writing a lot? Is you know, is that is that is that? Like whatever your platform is for whatever creative service you're doing, find that space and just try to be a big presence in that space. Don't just sit back and make the best website you've ever made because people still need to find it, right? So like you need to go where the people are. Dribble for us was where the people were make a lot of noise, get some presence in that space. And then those eyeballs come back to wherever your site is, wherever your content is. Mm. I would also say like <clears throat> express yourself that is natural and authentic to you as well. If you see a bunch of people putting up awesome UI shots and you're like, I want to get 500 likes, so I'm going to make a, an awesome UI shot. But if that's not ultimately what you want to do, then that's not helpful either. So whatever your style is, niche down into that style and just own the hell out of that style. Be that person on that platform. I think that's the easiest path to success. What stands in the way of that and what muddies the water is um, when I'll just use myself, if, if I am just a graphic designer and I do all types of things and I post all types of different things all over the place to different audiences, but I do it not consistently that's the whole like you know you're kind of like running through deep snow i've got snow outside so that's where my brain went you're running through deep snow you're like not making a ton of progress it's like clear all that out of the way like what work do you want people to see what work are you passionate about therefore you enjoy sharing it therefore you'll share it more 
what platform do you think is going to accept that work better than another platform? You're going to post a bunch of photography work on Dribble. No, like you're going to find a platform that's more appropriate for that. Maybe Instagram. Um, so find your platform, beat the hell out of it. You know, if you're going to say like, what's the easiest way to get clients hmm. from there, there's another conversation, which is word of mouth goes a long way. Word of mouth still goes a really long way for, for us. Do good work for people and that will result in more work. The business was basically born out of that. When we were in little Savannah and we didn't know anybody, we did the projects that we could get mom and pop vacation rentals, real estate agents, really small town stuff. But what happens is you treat those people right. You do good work for them, even though you've got bigger aspirations, the word of mouth carries to their friends, to that next business owner, to that next opportunity. And that also compounds that will organically grow. The goal is not to just say like, I'm going to do a project for Nike next year. We're 10 years in and our projects are pretty damn big. We don't have that goal. You know what I mean? It's like, no, just like you're one year in it at a time and you're just chopping away at it. It's about being a good person. It's about doing good work. Everything kind of like starts to fall in line if you're doing the right things. Yeah, it's a great point that you've raised also about uh, kind of niching down and showing the work that you, that you want to do. Because that's, you know, ultimately you, you want to attract those type of clients that you want to, the kind of work that you want to be doing. That's well. right. Like you say, if you if you hate doing UX and you, you might create an awesome UX project on Dribble and, and let's say you have five people coming to you for a UX project, you're like, why yep. did I do, do this to myself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to? It just doesn't make sense. And in the same way, what if you're great? So this is this is where the conundrum kind of comes in. What if you're great at UX, but you're also great at illustration? There's some. That's an interesting challenge because what does your feed look like? You look like an illustrator, but also like this really, really clean UX UI person. And that's not necessarily bad. Like if you're great at both of them, that's, that's, that's a great asset, but it is how you're presenting and selling yourself. So if someone's coming looking for an illustrator, are they going to want that feed that you're like, man, this person, that's like all they do and they're really good at it. Or very potentially they want a bit more of a, a multi-talented designer. So, uh, I just had this conversation a couple of weeks ago too, where that person was in that position. Hey, Bill, I'm really good at this, this, and this. And therefore my feed actually kind of looks like I'm not great at any of them, but I really do love them all. I said, well, okay. That doesn't mean you just need to stop doing certain things, but maybe you position yourself in that way. Instead of trying like solve for the problem the other way, say that you're the best Swiss army knife designer that ever lived and actually like lean into it and, and, present that as a strength instead of trying to figure out, well, I guess I need to clean up my feet because it all should look like, you know, one skill set. So there's so much nuance to all these things that we all have to try to like figure out, right? There's no perfect answer. I'm not going to sit here and try to say like, this is how you can get the best leads. All I can do is share what has worked for us. Um, persistence goes a long way. Dedication, stay the course, niche down. Um, but ultimately, like it's going to work for some people and it's not going to work for other people too, right? Different industries, different geolocations. Different demand, different um, industries that they'd like to work with. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all playing the same game, but kind of like with different rules and different places and, and that kind of thing. 
So I've got a question here. You mentioned job boards before, and I've got a question here from Emily. She would like to know, um, I guess, are there any design company specific job boards? Is, it, is there like a similar thing um, to a job board, but I guess for design agencies maybe, rather than freelancers looking for work? Meaning where would we as an agency go to look for potential new hires? Yeah, I think it means like if, uh, have you ever come across something that's that's uh, equivalent of a job board for, for say, a person looking for work, uh, an equivalent thing for uh, an agency or freelancer looking for, I guess, contract work or maybe, you know, clients? Have you come across anything like that? I feel like my gut says I don't have a great answer for this but I feel absolutely sure and other people were probably going to answer in the feed. There's probably plenty of them. It might just be that that's not the world that I'm living in right now. It's not top of mind. It's not something that I, I go out and see and or look for. So I don't feel like I have a great answer for that. That's okay. I think um, there is, uh, I believe it's angel list. There's kind of like a website where uh, it's predominantly startups. I believe they kind of congregate there. And a lot of times they are looking for, um, I guess, designers, but sometimes they're looking for like a partner agency, like a design agency that might help them with, you know, branding and um, all kinds of stuff. So that's, um, uh, you know, a place that you could uh, have a look at Emily as, an, as a suggestion. But yeah, likewise, I haven't seen anything like that. Someone says Dribble has a job board, but again, I guess it's that's more for maybe people looking for work, like looking for a full-time job maybe. Uh, on Dribble, uh, but I could be wrong. Maybe they have something else now, like projects. There's a few places, like yeah, the Angel List is a good uh, resource, and I think if you uh, search for that, there are probably similar type of resources. Uh, I think that um, ha have a similar idea that you could um, come up with. But what's, yeah, what's the strategy for? What's the um, Focus Lab strategy now? Now that you have, I guess the um, uh, the dribble lead machines is has been working and uh, what's some of the other uh, platforms or maybe what's some of the other strategies that I, you're now implementing yeah so yes I want to talk about that and I'm also going to talk about maybe like what we look at when we're hiring if that might be of interest to some of the people mm -hmm. um, but right. yeah so I, I would tell you that the dribble lead machine if we're gonna call it that um, it's not what it used to be um, that has changed over time. So I just gave you the big speech about go on Dribble or find your platform and feed the hell out of it and, you know, magic will happen. Um, Dribble over the years has changed a lot of things. And I think um, and I'm not going to get into what's right or wrong. If that's their business. They can do whatever they want. I, I don't care, quite honestly. Um, but but you do have to adapt as an agency to say like, okay, so that's not maybe going to be as effective as it used to be. So we need to account for that. Like, how do we adapt? Um, part of that or a lot of that has just been what's our new what's our new medium like what's our new space to to go get in front of uh, our customers uh, and a lot of people here are gonna be like ew that's so gross but for me LinkedIn is one of those mediums that is a platform that has a lot of our customer on there you're talking about CMOs VPs of marketing and those types of people mm -hmm. Those people live on LinkedIn. They don't live on Dribble, right? They're not designers and they're not creatives at that level on Dribble. So I can actually get closer to them in that platform. 
and that platform probably doesn't have a ton of creative content. So I also get to stand out a little bit in that platform. I'm saying I, but we focus on. Um, so, so that's kind of like, that's the new, that's the new planet for us. Um, and it, and it has been for, for a little while, but we're really leaning into that pretty heavily this year. Um, as well as doing the auxiliary platforms that we'll always do Instagram. Instagram is, is great for like a, a showing our work and it looks really nice and easy to consume. That is not a lead generator for us at all. But I know plenty of people that that is their like primary lead mm. generator. So again, it's kind of like you're finding what works for you. You're finding where your customers are. So LinkedIn, hey, hey, LinkedIn is our new platform. I, I don't know that I would have thought I would have said that five years ago, um, but it makes so much sense to me right now. Um, and I enjoy it, right? It's another, now I'm out there speaking to a slightly different customer um, and presenting ourselves in a different way. And, and that is new and exciting to me. So, so I am enjoying that. So can you give us just a, like kind of a sneak peek? I don't want to, you know, for you to give us all your secrets, but like what's um, like a bird's eye view of your uh, reach out kind of strategy? Are you literally just finding for people that you want to work with and then just no. conversations with them? Or? No. So, yeah, so that's a great question. So I can be really clear here. I hadn't thought about that. I can only see through my lens and now I see the other lens that you're looking through, which is not what we're going to do. So in the same way that we went to Dribbble, and just posted our work very humbly. This is what we did. We think it's awesome, blah, 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 the end, right? And Dribble's not built this way, but there's no like cold calling people in that platform. LinkedIn, there is a lot of cold calling in that platform and it's terrible. And we wouldn't wanna be a part of that. Um, so it is very similar to Dribble, which is I'm posting our work, we are posting our work, I'm talking about projects, I'm talking about why our projects are successful. I'm, I'm high-fiving, if you will, our, our partners who have re maybe recently raised money mm -hmm. or have hit some huge milestone. It's just another soapbox for me to like talk about us. And if I do that consistently and if I do it well, that will attract the people to us. It is not for me to go on there and say, oh, I see a person I'm going to target and I'm going to send them some in-mail. Hi, do you think you need help with your brand? We would be great at that. <laughs> that is so against my DNA anyways. And I also feel like that is just not a good like sales gesture. Mm -hmm. So the strategy is simply being us, being super authentic, sharing our work and why it matters and having people follow along with that. And then in the same way, 10 years from now, someone's gonna say, I started following all those podcasts and all that content you were putting out on LinkedIn that was talking about your service and, and the impact it has. I've been following you for five years. Great content, I think I'm ready to hire you guys, right? It's, it's a long tail. You're not in there just trying to like grab a lead real quick and get out of there. That is so yucky. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I got a ton of those e emails and, and even though now nowadays majority of them have slightly changed the tactic, they kind of yeah. instead of just diving into the, the kind of the, you know, the call, um, they're trying to sell you on the first message. Now it's like, oh, hey, I really want to connect with you. You, you, you know, we, we share a lot of, you know, similar connections or we yes. share industries yeah. or whatever. And you go, oh, okay, you know, fair enough. And then two days later, so Ilya, I've got this service that I'd like, I'd like, Okay. You know what I do? I do delete and then I do un unconnect. 
straight up. Cause like, if that's, if that's the level of the relationship, like that's cool, that's fine. Like you do you, but like, I don't need to be connected to you then. Like I'm disqualifying you. We don't need to be connected uh, in that way. So no, I won't, I won't be doing any of that. What, what I do though, I will reach out to CMOs just to say like, hey, as a brand agency, it's really important for us to know what the biggest pain point of a CMO might be. Do you mind if we just hop on a call and we just chat about it? All you're gonna do is give me insight and research into the industry. You're never gonna get a message from me that says, hey, we could, we could solve that for you. It's, it's almost as if I'm just a student doing research. That is to the extent that I will do like a cold reach out. Besides that, it's just a platform for us to, to show who we are. Yeah, that's an um, interesting perspective too, because yeah, I think the, like you saw me going straight for that um, assumption is that you kind of go doing outreach of some kind, because that's, that's just what people tend to do on LinkedIn. I know that there's yeah. plenty of people just share their work as well, uh, but I think it's, it's something, yeah, I guess it does differentiate you, right, uh, from those people who are just reaching out, uh, cold calling to those people for them. You know, I hope so, man. Those things. I don't know. I think that's that's just a numbers game at this point. I think those those people, and there doesn't mean they're bad people, but they understand that if I just send twenty eight of these mm -hmm. messages and I can convert one person, you know, they're just they're just playing that game. That's just not that game is not natural to us, and it's not a game we want to play anyways. I have um something else you've mentioned, like you you do reach out to CMOs and you might um just start a conversation rather than uh, like you know offering your services. I think it was, um, I don't know if I pronounce the name correctly or even recall it correctly. It's like Tobias Schneider. He, you might've heard of him. He's like yeah. a German designer. Yeah. He's worked with Spotify. And I think I saw recently that today or the other day, I've seen a post that he did where he talked about uh, doing a similar thing where he kind of reaches out to those larger clients, like C I guess CMOs at those larger organizations. And he just says something along the lines of, you know, I'd love to work with your company at, you know, sometime in the future, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I really like what you're doing in this area. And then uh, I guess he gives them some value in, in that message. But then uh, he says 90% of the time he never hears back at all for, for anything uh, from any of those people that he's contacted. But every now and then he says maybe in 10 years or five years, like you say, someone might say, oh, Tobias, you know, um, I remember you reaching out to us. We are looking for a new, you know, agency or, you know, whatever it yeah. might be. So it yep. does take a long time sometimes. And sometimes uh, I think people get disheartened. Um, like the example that I've said, you know, they'll reach out to 10 clients yeah. and they'll say, oh, it doesn't work. Well, sometimes it doesn't work straight away. It just some, it needs yeah, consistent effort. And if you, it's, I don't know if you, whether you believe in that whole universe, ask and you shall receive or not. I think it's, you can still see how it works that as long as you put continuous effort into something, eventually you know there'll be payout if you if you're persistent enough yeah because you know what's going to happen is you're going to learn things you're maybe pivot a little bit like you know it won't be maybe the same exact effort that you started with it will be a better more focused effort which would then start to pay off i guess i would also say there's nothing wrong with reaching out to somebody but you better be like authentic and why you're reaching out if i chose to say like oh my god that's that VP of marketing of that company that I buy their products and I love that. I think it's okay for me to reach out with a very honest, authentic message and say, the products you make are awesome. This is not spam. I love everything that you guys do. I hate to say this, but like check us out if you ever need anything. And I, you know, I truly mean it kind of thing. Like 
I would still not expect much to come from that, but that is at least like, I really meant that. I don't feel bad like I'm spamming people. They might see it as spam, but like, hey, what are you gonna do? Like I still meant what I, what I said. So I think that that is also acceptable. Yeah, if you're being true to yourself, I think it's um, and, and authentic. Like you say, it's it's you're just making connections. You, you don't know what what might come of it. It's like networking. Right. It's like when you go to a networking event, which is something I guess that we rarely do now nowadays, or less and less. Yeah. You know, back in the days, you would go to a conference or something, and then you would just come and say hello. My name is such and such. What do you do? And then you have a conversation. You, you might not be necessarily selling something, but you might be interested uh, or become interested in each other's you know. Uh, maybe not services, but in each, at least in each other's work or, you know. Right. It's um, important that, to have those connections. Yeah. I've got um, another question here uh, from Abdelatif El Meluki. I don't know if he's still there or not, but we'll, we can take it and he can watch the replay maybe. Uh, so we've talked about portfolios. Uh, I mean, I know it's a pretty subjective thing, I guess, but just give your best um, um, perspective on, on how do you make the decisions. Yeah, this is um, yeah, this is definitely a loaded question, but let's let's dig into it. And I think I'll I'll probably add some some value here. So, if I'm looking at a portfolio, there's a couple things that I'm looking for right out of the gate. Um, and, and then these are going to be personal to me. So this doesn't mean that this is going to work for every person that looks at your portfolio at any other agency. But for me, I want to see process and thinking in there. I do not love it when I go to a portfolio and I go into a case study and there's literally four images and it's like a logo, three UI screens and a poster, three images, right? And I'm like, that's it. Like I, I need to be, there needs to be more of a story. Like I need to watch a movie in a way, not literally, but like take me through it. Um, I want to see, it doesn't mean I need to see every detail, but I'm not afraid if there's like sketches and there's the messy stuff. And then there's like, well, I tried this thing and I tried that thing. And here's like all this and volume for me goes a long way. I really, it, there's like nothing to sink your teeth into when you see such a short case study. So that's down to the case study perspective. That should be replicated across all of the things in your portfolio. It's funny, you know, I have these conversations and I had this exact conversation with the students um, that was just graduating like a year ago out at the local college close to where our office is. And she was told by her professors, which is fine, that you don't want all that crap in there. They don't need to see all that. That just distracts from the final outcome. And I said, okay, that's, that's their perspective and that's fine. But I can tell you from my perspective, I need to see all that. And here's also what I told her. Um, I forget how this like exactly manifested, but I basically said, if they don't care about all that process, maybe that's not the place you want to work kind of thing. Right. Like I got her thinking about why the process is important to show and that you would want people that enjoy seeing that to be the people hiring you. And maybe the ones that don't care are too busy. You know, maybe they're too busy for a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. So she changed her portfolio completely. It immediately resonated with the right people. And then she did end up getting a job. And I think they had referenced that specifically. So show a lot of process in there. Don't hold back. Um, the other thing that goes a long way for me in a portfolio, I'm just a sucker for like a good layout, clean delivery of the content that you're trying to show. Sometimes they get over-designed and there's like all these colors everywhere. and 
Uh, it can get really messy. The spacing, it, like get, getting down to design basics, like what type of white space do you have around the content you're presenting? What type of typography hierarchy? Do you have big type and small type or is it just all the same style? Like those basics go a long way. There's a good question there, which is how many pieces are, do you, should you have in your case study? This is also a hot topic. One side of the coin says you should have only your best work. I would argue if only your best work is only three pieces, you might rethink that. Because again, three pieces could be enough if you're showing enough volume in the individual case study. But if you've only got three pieces in your portfolio and each one of them only has four images, I'm flying through that thing as if you've maybe not designed much yet. I'm, I actually prefer kind of hedging to the other side, which is maybe you're showing too much, but you're at least showing multiple styles, multiple like approaches and thinking. And, and I'm a sucker for more stuff, like prove it to me. And you prove it to me through volume and process. Just a couple things feels a little bit kind of like, eh, that's, that might be a facade. Like, I don't know if that's enough to woo me yet. Um, there's another comment here, which is they need to show potential. That is the most important thing, really. Um, I'm not looking at a portfolio or a case study, nitpicking it to death. I'm, I'm again looking for those basics in this overall flow and this overall thinking. And I'm trying to spot both immediate talent and or potential. There's plenty of people that have been hired at Focus Lab that if you had looked at their portfolio or case study, you may have been surprised because you'd be like, huh, there seems to have been other stronger portfolios in the pool of applicants. But we're looking for potential just as much as the immediate strength that's there. We're also weighing that against the people and the soft skills and all the other things that come along with the portfolio. So yeah, potential is a, is a big player in there too. Hmm. It's uh, there's a lot of great points you've raised, Bill. Like for instance, the um, that uh, story that you shared uh, with that uh, young lady who was kind of, you know, uh, maybe was told not to show process. And and like you say, if maybe uh, the kind of people that maybe would have hired her just based on that type of portfolio, maybe she's an amazing designer, just like aesthetically pleasing and everything's top notch. You know, you know, perfect white space and perfect hierarchy and everything. But then if the kind of company that has hired her, if they don't value that type of thinking, then that makes me think that uh, they don't value that in general, because if, they, if they're not looking you know, for that in their designers, they're either just looking for kind of like a pixel pusher or like an order right. taker designer, right. or they just don't have that type of thinking in, within their organization in general. And I, I wouldn't want to work somewhere like that because you know, I tend to, to like to think strategically and to Right. apply meaningful things to uh, create meaningful work rather than just kind of, you know, art or, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for yeah. art's sake. Uh, yes, the life will be saved uh, for whoever's asking if, if you didn't see my reply. Um, but yeah, the potential is, I guess that's a tricky thing too, potential, because that's a fairly subjective. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but I guess if, if, you're, if you're doing the hiring, then yeah, typically it's like the creative director or a senior person is looking at, that, at those portfolios. So they kind of know, it's almost like intuition, right? Where they like trying to, that's right. Um, uh, you know, understand, they understand the type of person who they're looking for, or the type of work that they're looking for. Yeah. And I think it's great that you've mentioned the, the amount of projects and how, you know, how they kind of 
expand that thinking or apply the, say if it's a brand identity work or something, how they've applied it to a multitude of things. I think a great thing would, um, example would be um, uh, under consideration, that brand new blog. I know that they just have a paid subscription now, but it used to yeah. be free. But if you have a look at any of those case studies there for kind of, you know, the big uh, case studies where, you know, big organizations done rebrands and sometimes smaller ones as well. And you kind of see the level of uh, the, the the screenshots and everything that in mockups and things that go into uh, presenting that work, you can see that they haven't just thought about what the logo will look like and what it would look like on a piece of stationery. They've actually gone and thought about what's uh, going to be the sub graphics, how the sub graphics and imagery are going to lie and uh, live on, um, you know, the digital mediums and how they're going to live in, in print mediums. So yeah. it's across the board for, for a lot of different um, things. Um, I see another one here that I'll just jump to real quick, if you don't mind. That's like how much variety should be in there. I'm not, and I'm saying I, there's multiple people in the hiring process. It's just easier in this conversation to just use me as the context, but we have multiple people. So when we go through, people apply at Focus Lab, there's three stages. There's the HR stage first, then there's me or, or um, the director of that department. And then whoever doesn't take that second seat takes the third seat. So there's like three stages there. And at those three stages, we are catching people factor, craft, and then all of that combined, maybe by the third interview kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so to go back to the question though, like how much diversity should be in a case study? That never really concerns me, honestly. It is, it is not off-putting if, for example, Focus Lab is B2B branding, if the whole portfolio of somebody is all B2B branding, if that's the role that we're trying to fill, that's fantastic. I don't need them to show me that they can also do motion, that they can also do uh, 3D, that they can also do web. That's great if they can, but they don't. I don't need to see all that. So it's not really like you're hunting for diversity unless you're looking for a super diverse role. So I'm, I'm still contextualizing to myself, but there's going to be some startups that are we only have the budget for one designer and we need that designer to do everything, they probably are gonna to wanna to see a lot of different diversity. So maybe it's just being super self-aware of what role you're applying for and making sure that your portfolio aligns to that need. If we're looking for a brand identity designer in uh, eight of your nine squares on your portfolio are not brand identity in their web, but you're applying for that role the web can be fantastic, but you're going to be way down on the list, maybe not even existent on the list. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's about diversity. I think it's about targeting. I think it's about like making sure that it aligns with what you're trying to get. Yeah, absolutely. It's you, you're trying to, to find the right fit and it's, it, it, it makes sense. Now, nowadays, um, for at least for job applications, I know that certain government organizations that, uh, this is not design specific, but uh, I do know that they have kind of, let's say, quote unquote, robots who are going through resumes that are sent through, which are picking up specific keywords and, uh, you know, the volume of keywords that have been mentioned uh, in the job ad. So they're kind of basically comparing the job ad that has been posted and yeah. then they're comparing your resume, trying to, the robot is basically analyzing how many times have you mentioned those keywords, does it align? And yeah. I do know for a fact this, I've talked to a lady who works at, the, at this kind of organization in HR, where it's basically, she doesn't actually see the resumes unless they've gone through that vetting process and they've been approved. 
by the computer. So, uh, I mean, this is maybe a fair, um, uh, you know, time away from when the, the, they can judge the kind of design portfolios as well, perhaps. Uh, but I, I do know that um, if a computer is doing it, you know, a person, a human person has programmed it, right? And that means that they really care about that thing because they want to yeah. reduce the amount of, you know, resumes, portfolios, whatever to be looked right. at. Right. So, and that's exactly what you say. If you don't see, like, or if, if out of 10 projects that someone's presented to you doesn't match what you're looking for, you're like, nah, next, I've got, you know, 20 yeah. other people who are presenting that type of work. Right, you know? exactly right. So I want to say a huge thanks because we're coming up on the, on the hour and I want to give you uh, plenty of time to uh, let folks know where people can find you. Uh, maybe you could tell us something exciting. Um, you know, what, what does uh, yeah, uh, yeah, future yeah. look like for Bill and for Focus Lab? Maybe some yeah. uh, cool uh, goals or um, uh, missions or, you know, anything like that. And, and uh, we can wrap it up from there. Okay, great. So I get to do my, my selfish plug here at the end. Yeah, elevator pitch. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, so of the, if, if the content that we create or the content that I create is of interest to you, you can follow me, um, at, at Bill, B-I-L-L-S, Kenny, K-E-N-N-E-Y. So that's at Bill S. Kenny. That's my handle everywhere. That's my handle on Instagram. That's my handle on LinkedIn. That's my handle on Dribbble. That's my handle. We didn't even get into Behance, you know, all these other kind of like sites. Um, that's my handle everywhere or follow. The company, which is uh, Focus Lab, we have kind of different handles on different platforms because those were trickier to get. Uh, but just search Focus Lab anywhere you want um, on those platforms, you'll find us. We'll show up. So that's how to follow us. Um, what's upcoming? What's my my fun, interesting tidbit? I can share that Focus Lab is currently rebranding itself. Wow, that's exciting. Which is a really fun, exciting. exciting, challenging exercise. So again, we're 10 years in. We've learned a lot about ourselves. We know that we want to be basically the best B2B brand agency that there is. So now that we have that target, we can refine our, our purpose in that way, how we position ourselves. And now we need to come up with a new visual identity, verbal identity, and website to represent those things. So that's all going to drop uh, early here in the year. That'll be probably next three months, two and a half months. And, and then we're off to the races. We're, we're into the next decade of Focus Lab and we're super excited about it. Sounds exciting. Uh, congrats. And Thanks. Uh, I'll uh, can't wait to see what uh, you guys come up with next. We're excited to share. The old, yeah. Oh, I see Focus Lab waving. See that old F down there? That old F is going bye-bye. That's all right. It, it did its job. Thank you very much, Bill. Thank you for, for your time. And uh, uh, I will save this as a live, as a replay, so people can uh, check that out uh, as a replay later on. I'll post that in the stories. And uh, as always, thanks thanks for your time. And I'll, uh, maybe I'll catch you on Instagram and, and I'll keep an eye on the rebrand for Focus Lab. Sounds good. Sounds good. Have a great Bye, day. Everybody. Bye, Bye, everyone. Hey, so great to see that you've made it till the end of the episode. And thank you so much for listening to the studio podcast. I hope you have enjoyed today's guest. This is a series of live conversations that I host on a weekly basis on my Instagram account, We Are Studio. Uh, I invite a range of creative leaders and other interesting speakers to talk about a range of topics such as creativity, mindset, branding, and leadership skills. So if you'd like to catch the next conversation live, 
be sure to find me and follow me on Instagram. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as it would really mean the world to me to hear your feedback. Uh, And also, it will actually help me tremendously to get the podcast heard by more ambitious creatives like yourself. Now remember, the world needs your creativity and you have the power to ignite it. I'll catch you on the next episode.